Welcome, everyone, to the Robin Walter Show here on the Red Sky Radio Network. God bless you all today. Uh, I <laughs> This is going to be a little different beginning because I promised to start with good news, and I guess it's good news. It's just not the typical good news. Um, typical meaning some story that's occurring somewhere where somebody's standing up and fighting the good fight or... Uh, some good people have won uh, a righteous lawsuit or something of that sort. No, this is a little bit different because uh, this summer I I am not a retired lawyer. I have cut back a little bit to provide myself a little extra time to do some things I don't normally do. And it's really good news when you have joy come from an unexpected source. Uh, and that's what's happening. And that's my good news. And maybe it's just kind of personal good news, but nonetheless, it's hard for me to read uh, for enjoyment, pure enjoyment. It just is something that I don't do. I mean, I grew up, uh, my favorite book was Useless Information. I loved it so much that my parents for the next Christmas got me the sequel entitled more useless information. This is stuff about weather and uh, what were the the biggest temperature drops within a 24-hour period. Fundamentally, I am a nerd. I can't get away from that. I love these facts about things that nobody really cares about. First and foremost, however, I love the word. I don't know how many times I've read it. Maybe, I don't know, hard to say, north of 15 probably maybe around 20 times over the many years. Still can't remember as much as I should. So I read that for enjoyment, but that's not fiction. I I love history. That's not fiction. Those who don't learn from history are bound to repeat it. You're going to hear a little bit of history today uh, that will uh, inform you greatly. Let me put it that way. But weather or agricultural facts or things of that sort, I mean, I was, I was thrilled this week when I found something I printed out decades ago, and it was a chart of when you want to heat with wood, what are, the, what are the woods that have the highest BTU, the British Thermal Unit, the highest amount of wood per cord or per pound, frankly, however you want to categorize it. Well, I'm not going to leave you scratching your head. It happens to be hickory in the United States, but that's beside the point. That's the kind of stuff I really like. It's, it's, a, it's embedded in fact. Well, this summer, I have decided to read something for enjoyment. And I can't believe how much joy I've gotten out of reading something for enjoyment that is loaded with spiritual truths. And it's a Chronicles of Narnia. There are seven books. I'm about halfway through the seventh book. I'm on my last one. They are gripping. 
uh, well-written, funny in places, and there are spiritual points, spiritual allegories, which I find really enlightening and thrilling. And it relates to today's program because it tells me, these books tell me in very graphic form, kind of like This Present Darkness, uh, a book from, gosh, probably 25 years ago. Novels, which have very, very strong spiritual points, and what they do is highlight the intensity, the breadth, the depth, the pervasiveness through all of time of spiritual warfare. And I mention that because I have to believe we are in the time of the greatest spiritual warfare possibly that the United States has ever seen. But back to the Chronicles of Narnia, before I move off from that topic, they say it's a series for kids. Uh, I read somewhere that it's kind of for 8 to 14-year-olds or something like that. Well, either they're wrong or... I'm still a kid, and I would be fine with either answer, though I would likely prefer the latter, that I'm still a kid. I love playing with kids and enjoy them immensely. But that joy that I have with children is why we are in the deepest spiritual warfare this country has ever had, and we will get to it. Uh, this part of the program, I want to fly through a whole bunch of topics. This is, there are going to be times when I have a fast and furious five, a fast and furious five minutes. I want to report on some things, but I want to just give you the headline, which you probably have not heard or read, uh, COVID. We now know for a fact that there are nearly 120,000 Young adults and children died from COVID? No. They died from the COVID shots. Murdered by Pfizer and Moderna because they knew. They knew that this was no good. They are concealing it. They never tested it. They didn't pull it off the market when they knew of the negative results, the excess deaths. This really ticks me off, as maybe you can tell. More on that later, although the rise in COVID cases, which they are highlighting now, what, 90-some? All right, there are, what, 60 million people in this country that never took the jab. 90-some percent of the new COVID cases are everybody who took the jab, took the stab, and they may end up on the slab. Next, Vivek Ramaswamy. You've heard me singing his praises. I like the fact that he's talking about laying off 20,000 FBI agents. That's great. He said it needs to be fundamentally dismantled and then reconfigured. I get it. 15,000 remaining frontline agents will go to work for what he says are more effective agencies, like the U.S. Marshal Service, to focus on crimes like child sex trafficking something the Democrats love because they're into that. He said he'd station the military along the U.S.-Mexican border, positioned at least every half mile to protect against illegal immigration and drug intrusion like fentanyl entering the country. 
All of these things which he has said at the uh, Iowa Fair, where everybody is, is drawing major cheers from the crowd. But I also want to point out, in my opinion, a huge mistake he made. How much it will haunt him, I do not know. But he made a point of saying that he would be open to giving the Biden family pardons. Now, he did say that, and that's an excerpt taken out out of context. What he said was, after we reorganize the FBI and lose about 20,000 agents, and after I have pardoned President Trump, and after I've pardoned everybody involved in the January 6th debacle, then I would look into considering pardoning the Biden so that we could move on as a country. I don't have an issue with that. I really don't, for the most part. Here's the problem. He shouldn't have said it. It's an un, what's called an unforced error. Nobody forced him to make that crazy comment because now he gets taken out of context and all people know is he's ready. He's open to um, pardoning the Bidens. He's open to it. I'm not so sure I would because I don't think Vivek or anybody knows just how deep this snake pit goes and just how venomous the Biden family snake pit is. The snakes are. I mean, we still don't know. And in fact, when you hear a story later in this program, you will say, are you really sure you would pardon the Bidens? And I... I am open to the possibility, but only if what we think is true about them turns out to not be true. So, Vivek, you got to be a little more careful with your words because that could come back to haunt you. Oh, he's going to pardon the Bidens. Gosh, kiss him goodbye in the minds of a lot of people. I know what he said, and I don't generally disagree with it. But he could have said it this way. And it's easy for me to Monday. I'm the armchair quarterback here to be able to say, I would never pardon the Bidens unless possibly we are successful in reducing the FBI by 20,000 agents, repositioning a bunch of others. And after I've pardoned President Trump and after we pardoned everybody from January 6th, see that way he couldn't be quoted out of context. Could not if you frame it correctly. But he's 38 years old. Those are the things you learned. Some of those things are things I haven't le- yet learned. Donald Trump gets gets hammered all the time. And this this is just amazing. The media is, again, is on Trump because his ex-wife's gravesite, Ivana, Ivana, I'm not sure, at his Bedminster golf course has weeds on it. I'm serious. The mainstream media will skip Devin Archer, Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, all of the crooks, Christopher Ray, all the sleazebags that are just sucking up our money out of government troughs. And they go after now Trump because apparently somebody who is... 12 layers of employment down from him hasn't mowed the weeds on his ex-wife's gravesite. Sheesh.
this one. That's why I never would live in Chicago. I mean, if God called me to handwritten note on my kitchen table in the morning, I guess I would have to. Sheesh, it scares the daylights out of me. There's a group in Chicago that is pleading with and asking gang members to not shoot anyone after 9 a.m. and before 9 p.m. They want 12 hours. Could you please just after before 9 a.m. or after 9 p.m.? Go ahead. I guess blow the brains out of everybody like you do with 30, 40 shooting incidents every single weekend in Chicago, along with anywhere from 5 to 15 murders. We don't need to point out that that's uh, Barack Hussein's hometown, right? Well, a couple of other ones. We'll get to Brock in a minute. New York City parents are outraged because Mayor Eric Adams is now building migrant camps on children's soccer fields. He's a sanctuary city. Come on, Eric. You're the sanctuary city boy. Come on, man. You're supposed to have the welcome arms. You're the Joe Biden poster child. And now you're stink, so stinking stupid, you don't even know what you've supported in the past to compare it to what you're opposing now. Next. Barack. Here we go, buddy. We're going to cover it. I mentioned this two years ago. There wasn't any question in my mind that Barack Obama was at least ACDC. Bisexual. I think at his heart, he's queer as a $3 bill. And it wasn't simply because of the lie detector proven testimony of what was his name? Lawrence? Somebody, somebody Lawrence in Chicago said he'd hook up with Barack all the time and have queer sex. And then that was followed up by Barack's half-brother, Malik, who is one of the biggest Trump supporters in the world. But would the mainstream media cover that? Of course not. Of course, they want to cover. They're they're hunting around to try to find some third cousin twice removed of Donald Trump that says they don't support him, but they won't support Brock's brother, who won't have anything to do with him. Says he's a changed man. He thinks he's a hot shot. But Malik has always said Brock is queer. So there's number two, and of course now we have the smoking gun, Alex Alex McNear, a woman an ex-girlfriend of Barack back in their early 80s. Wrote him a bunch of letters. Yeah, a whole bunch of letters. And so, in the Emory University Library, you can't take them out, but you can go in there and you can review them. We have a gentleman by the name of Mr. Garrow, who interviewed Brock for eight hours doing a biography of Brock, then went down to Emory University to read all the letters that his ex-girlfriend has turned over that Barack wrote. Do we need to quote this? I think we probably do. He said he's 21 years old. And with a tutor like Frank Davis, it's no wonder he's screwed up, a left-wing Marxist and all of that. But that's how he was, uh, you know, that's... That's what happens uh, when you have a extremely dysfunctional family. Quote, Barack Obama, in regard to homos 
in regard to homosexuality, I must say that I believe this is an attempt to remove oneself from the present, a refusal perhaps to perpetuate the endless farce of earthly life. You see, while he's writing to McNear, you see, I make love to men daily in my imagination. And he was 21. So his alleged sodomistic affair with Mr. Lawrence or Lawrence whatever in Chicago, which occurred after that, that was after that, we see that he did go, uh, he, he, he did go sodomy. Now, yeah, he's married to Michelle. Um, guess those are his children. I mean, there's been some question about that. I'm not going to get into that mess right now. But Garrow goes on to say, and Obama is ticked off at him after he interviews Barack for eight hours, does all this research before his political career, of course, that Garrow says that Obama's version of the breakup with his girlfriend was much different in his own book, as he had indicated that he was black racial consciousness clashed with his white girlfriend. Now, that's the reason he's giving now, not that he was fundamentally queer or trying to figure out just how ACDC he was, which... Which was he? Was he more alternating current or direct current? You got to figure it out. But listen to this. By his own words, he said it was my black racial consciousness that clashed with my white girlfriend. In other words, Brock, who's half Irish, was admitting that he was a racist, which we know. So anyway, spent too much time, wasted too much time on an ex-president, except for the fact that there are still those circulating rumors that Michelle uh, will be running for the presidency. But let's move on to the next typical Democrat. We're going to go to Joe Biden here. And that was my fast and furious five, which turned out to be uh, a fast but slower 10. Fast but, but, I'm sorry, yes, not so fast and slower 10. Ashley Biden. So Joe Biden, we've got two living kids of Joe Biden. Hunter, a totally royally screwed up crack addict, and his daughter with Jill, Ashley Biden, who's a totally screwed up cocaine addict and admits a total sexual uh, addiction. Totally. Her biography, if you want to call that, autobiography, her diary. It's a personal diary, which the FBI has seized, which was turned over by James O'Keefe. But in her interviews, she admits this. This is what she is currently admitting. But before we go any further, this is Joe Biden who's talking about how he calls all of his grandchildren every day, except for the one that was the illegitimate child of his son, Hunter, until just last week until there was a, so much outcry against his left-wing comrades over that tactless event that now he's saying that he's really proud of this, this one too. Well, he wasn't for the first four years of her life. I think she's four or five. 
But this is a guy who says he loves them all. This is a guy who's telling uh, uh, people that children should be able to choose their own sex by the time they're at 10 at the latest, what they want to be. What are they really? Have gender transitioning surgery. This moron from the pit of hell believes that. And if he is giving advice to people as a pervert in chief, which he is, if he's giving that advice, let's look at the results of his life. He's got two kids that could not be more screwed up. And now we know why. I, you know what? I cannot even read from Ashley Biden's diary. Other than she said, she comes out and says that she was so sexually driven, even by the age of seven, seven years old. And she was pulling up her skirt and showing her whatever to kids in school as a second grader. And she went on to say that there was just, you know, that she um, was so hypersexualized. And she said, I don't know. Was there a sexual trauma in my childhood? Are there red flags? Yeah, there are. And then she cites the fact that the as a young girl taking showers with her father, Joe Biden, was prob- probably inappropriate. Duh. You think, Ashley? You think that your father is one of the reasons you ended up hypersexualized because he's showering with you as a young girl? So what is he doing with the other grandchildren? This guy's the purr from the pit of hell. So I want to quote from... Um, a related piece because it deals with the Biden regime is enabling and promoting child sex trafficking in America. No question about it. It isn't just the open border. But, uh, boy, oh boy. I don't want to say that I was right for the, say that, for the sake of saying I was right when I t- talk to people I've say on the program this and such and such another thing for, and I've been saying it for a couple of years, and then others come out and write about it. I'm not in competition, but when so when somebody else writes, sometime later or multiple people are writing something I've been talking about for a couple of years, it's comforting not because I said it first. Please don't get me wrong. Yeah, we all got some degree of ego, but this is not ego-driven. Not comforting because I said it first, but because it helps confirm that I wasn't wrong when I first said it. I wasn't off the rails. I wasn't coloring outside the lines. I feel like the Holy Spirit said something to me. The fact that nobody else is saying it, after a while, I say, oh, gosh, you know what? Did I, did I go off? And I have gone off. But now I want to quote from this World Net Daily piece. Americans today are living through a time of total spiritual warfare. Now, this is what relates to the introduction about 
the fact that we are in a spiritual warfare that was revealed, not revealed, but underscored through the Chronicles of Narnia. It's spiritual warfare with demonic forces and witches and good forces and Aslan, who is a representation of Jesus Christ in those books. But this is what I have been saying, but this is what WorldNet Daily has come out with just two days ago. It's shocking, though in no way overstated, to conclude that Americans today are living through a time of total spiritual warfare, when virtually all of the most contentious and consequential issues are neither political, ideological, or nor psychological. They are flat-out spiritual, good versus evil. There is the early sexualization of innocent children in the nation's public schools, and the mass hysteria transgender craze that seduces mentally fragile teenagers into undergoing mutilating and irreversible surgeries. There is the love affair with killing babies in their mother's womb, and the massive foreign invasion of America, purposely engineered by a senile, forever lying, and epically corrupt president. And the ever-growing persecution of law-abiding, God-fearing Americans branded as violent extremists and domestic terrorists. And the pretend existential climate change crisis. And the pretend white supremacy crisis. And so much more. Truly, today's ruling elites champion policies that every previous generation of Americans would have regarded as immoral insane and outright evil. And of course, these same sociopathic leaders are in turn knowingly in the service of the very dark spiritual powers and maybe unknowingly spiritual powers and principalities in high places, as the Bible states. That brings to center stage a supremely radioactive issue illuminated by the summer film The Sound of Music, as well as the shocking prevalence of pedophiles in the United States with the widespread trafficking and sexual slavery of children. Here's the point. Do not miss this point. The United States is now the largest market for child sex abuse in the world. And I'm going to interject something which I firmly believe. There's a degree of sexual child abuse which absolutely must be completed after prosecution and conviction with execution. Firing squad, electric tank, I don't care, sword, scimitar, whatever it is, take the guy's head off. It needs to be dealt with that severely because it is that evil. And we're going to get to the point that I started talking about two years ago to prove this. The world, this article goes on to say, what is it about little children that in any way is sexually attractive to some people? Innocent, prepubescent children are the opposite of sexually appealing as they represent pure, unspoiled, uncorrupted spiritual sweetness and innocence. The innocence, it is the demonic thing that wants an innocent child, and it becomes more attractive to him. 
and to an extremely corrupt person at war with God, a child's innocence and purity causes great discomfort. Agony, in fact, just as sunlight does to the proverbial vampire, it burns. The child's innocence constitutes a deep and unwelcome reminder of everything the perpetrator has lost, and some incorrigibly corrupt souls simply cannot stand it and thus feel compelled to put out the light. That is why they experience a perverse demonic pleasure far beyond any sexual release when they invade a child's unspoiled, precious innocence by sexually violating and initiating him or her into their dark realm. As Tim Ballard states, the Biden administration is now actually enabling and promoting the trafficking and sexual slavery of children. Now, what I'd said before a couple of years ago, and this article doesn't raise it, where children are sodomized and treated this way coming out of the book of Matthew and, and the sodomy that is raised in the context of Sodom and Gomorrah and elsewhere in the Old Testament, two targets of Satan, the pure. Angels, that's who they want to sodomize. Angels in the Old Testament and children today. Couldn't be more demonic. We'll be right back. The Robin Walter Show is a listener-supported program. Your contribution goes to help as many people as possible to hear that the Word of God has answers to help you survive and even thrive in the dark days ahead in this country. We pledge to bring you the critical information you need to make informed decisions in this age where big tech and big media have conspired to rid our country of everything Christian. Please send your support to... Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. That's Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, We are back. This is Robin Walter in the Red Sky Radio Network. So I got to finish up this piece about this dark source here. I, I thought I was done, but not quite. The two targets of the demon-possessed people. In the Old Testament, in each case, it was angels. The pure of God the purity of God reflected in the angels was the target of the demon-possessed who can't deal with their own sin. And so they apparently, if they can get others to do things worse than they, they feel better about them sick selves. The other one, children. Children. Is Joe Biden so guilty of sexual perversion 
with children that that is why he underscores and allows children and wants them to be able to choose their own gender identity at 10 and maybe younger, says Joe, because he's trying hard to make himself feel good about taking showers with his daughter and fondling every girl from about eight years old up to whoever else he can sneak up on before they want to turn and hurl in his face. Well, the fact of the matter is, we, you know what, I gotta, I, I, I'm still not done with this. I want to be done with it. Tim Ballard describes what he found during a recent rescue mission in the Ukraine in which his team saved many sex-trafficked children in Ukraine. What they found and tied it to was a pedophile ring. No surprise there. He said it's frightening because it's a political party out of the Netherlands. They're trying to legalize sex with children beginning at age three. He said it's in their literature. He said, I wanted to puke reading it, but this is how dark it is, and it is a political platform. It's a political party that follows this this uh, trajectory, if you will, our, our political platform. And quoting, and before you get too uh, real cozy in your comfort with supporting more billions to Ukraine, this is where they're operating. This is the pedophile network doctrines. That's what they call it. One, separate children from parents because parents are a bad influence, for the state knows best. Two, sexualize the kids. Let them see pornography. Three, take God out of education because that just gets in the way. And he goes on to say here, the pedophiles are sitting back right now and going, hey, we've been pushing this agenda for decades. And now we don't have to push anymore because the left is taking care of it for us in America. For because of the Biden administration's border policies, a staggering 85,000 migrant children in less than two years are missing in America. Trafficked into sex. Is this why no demon crap ever really wanted to go after Jeffrey Epstein? Because it was going to turn out that Billy Clinton is uh, having his way with young underage girls and everybody else that Epstein brought to Pedophile Island. Is that what this is going? What's going on? Eighty-five thousand. Is this why Joe Biden is letting all these children get lost in society and trafficked into sex? Biden deserves a a trial. He does deserve a trial, and if he's guilty of this, he should be in prison not Trump. In fact, he, like I said, these are crimes that were are worthy of execution after a fair trial. Quote, the U.S. government has become the middleman in a large-scale, multi-billion dollar child trafficking operation and is now the leading country in the world in child sex abuse. Thank you, Joe, from the pit of hell, Biden. You got an early start with your daughter, Ashley, apparently. Well, I could keep going on this, but I have to cover something else that is timely 
in a manner that, uh, well, I just have to cover it. And it deals with Maui, Maui, Hawaii disaster. Um, of course, we know that Joe Biden, I mean, I'm not off Joe, I guess. His comment on the beach at, uh, where is that there in Delaware? I forgot the name of the beach. Rebohoth Beach, is that how you pronounce it? It's from the Bible. I only read it. I don't ever speak it. Rehoboth Beach? I don't know. Somebody can write me. Tell me how I should be saying it. Asked about, asked about the Maui disaster after he's sitting there with a bunch of uh, some other buddies on the beach lounging in the sun. See, he doesn't go to Maui. He goes to the beach. He goes to a different beach on the East Coast, not the Maui Beach. And as you well know, his response was, uh, no comment. No comment? After what we're up to, what, 106 people is the time of this uh, this recording? Well, I want to just share with you briefly what people have said about him. These are the comments that are coming in. Wesley Hunt, Republican of Texas. We're a nation in decline led by a sandcastle commander-in-chief who spends more time applying sunblock at the beach than he does on the struggle facing millions of Americans. Another one. While Americans in Hawaii are missing loved ones and have lost their homes, Joe Biden vacations on the beach. Good for you, Joe. Good to be president, isn't it? Next one. Jill Biden, Jill Biden, who we shredded last week, and she deserved every nasty thing I said about her. I take nothing back. In 2020, quote, Jill Biden, empathy, empathy is on the ballot with Joe Biden in 2020. That's what she said. But Joe Biden in 2023, no comment on Hawaii. 2020, empathy is what's on the ballot with my husband, Joe Biden, who doesn't give a rat's rear end while he's applying his sunscreen on the beach. What good is it going to do? His brain's already fried. Who cares if his skin fries besides that? Joe Biden, here's another one, Ronnie Jackson. Send more billions to Ukraine, but no comment on Maui. Putting America first means apparently, no, wait a minute, i got to get this right. This is great. Carrie Lake, the one who got ripped off in the race for governor here in Arizona. Putting America first means getting this joker out of the White House. So he doesn't give a rat's rear end. He said he's going to get there soon. Oh, yeah, like Cami Harris is going to get to the border soon. And about five months later, she makes a cameo, cameo Harris appearance in San Antonio, not San Antonio, but El Paso. She doesn't visit the border. Ditch the witch. Goodness sakes. I know this. I know this sounds like I'm tooting my horn and I'm not. I've said for the last two and a half years, the next pandemic won't be about medicine or diseases or what we need to do or come out of that. It's going to be about a pandemic called a ne the next control grab of climate change. 
I, I said that from day one, and it is coming true because the White House has now come out. All the White House has said, this isn't Joey Cornpop because he can't formulate a complete sentence, said, quote, all big storms we continue to see are definitely caused by climate warming. And White House National Security Council Coordinator for Strategic Communications, John Kirby, was on CNN this past week stating that the president is looking at declaring a national emergency on climate because all the severe storms that continue to drive, drive us crazy in this country, everything is driven by climate change. That's what he says. Oh, we got the rising climate te the temperatures around the globe. We explained why that's bogus a couple of weeks ago, dealing with terrestrial warming. The president hasn't made a decision yet on declaring a national emergency on climate. But for all intents and purposes, he's treating this with all the due gravity and seriousness that the climate crisis deserves. It's been a focus for him since day one and considering making uh, executive orders, which are better known as executive orders because we know where they come from, about climate change emergencies and what we have to do because of the climate. I got a piece which I'd like to have gotten to, like to have gotten to, wish I could have made it there, dealing with the increasing statewide acceptance of a mandate to track the mileage on your car, starting with electric vehicles, so they can get you to pay your, quote, fair share of highway taxes. I'm going to have to save that, I think, till next week, but to tie it and then tie it in here. But the Hawaii wildfire, now Josh Green, the loose and totally deranged governor of Hawaii. Why is everybody in Hawaii deranged? Is it too much sun? Is it too many margaritas? Is that what got interrupted uh, with this disaster? Well, I'll tell you, jo Josh Green came in and said, this, among other things, this is absolutely the cause of climate change, the result of climate change, absolutely the cause. Now, he is incompetent just as, what, that Senator um, Maisie, Maisie Hirano, who said this is, the, the, it's settled. Climate change is settled. The Maui fire has settled the climate change debate. I want to just share something that was a little bit of a digression. But nobody supports AI, artificial intelligence development, more than Democrats. And I have to say, it's simply because they are the ones who are in the greatest need of additional support for their brains. They are the ones who indeed need artificial intelligence because they have none. They can't get it within. They have to get it from without. I just cannot believe how many utterly and totally stupid people I hear talk and just give this claptrap climate change answer to everything that happens out there. And now here's where I'm going to prove them liars and deceivers. 
So start with point number one. They say the primary cause in all of these things, without question, is climate change. So let's go to Hawaii for just a second. Point two, the failure of the state of Hawaii. 2A, let's call it. There was a complete failure of all the sirens. All right? The warning signals. 2B, there was no reverse 911 in operation. Point three, point 2C, the fire department screwed up and botched putting out the initial blaze, which some, you know, they contend was a down power line. Point two, D, the road congestion problem, which they knew would be a problem if there ever needed to be a mass evacuation. They never fixed it. So here's question number one. If you were the governor and you wanted to shift blame, something that is frankly a defining characteristic of humans, but especially among Democrats, what do you do? If you have dropped the ball so badly and all of these multiple failures converge concurrently, simultaneously in Hawaii, what do you do to dodge the bullet so you don't look like the complete jackass of a governor that you are? You blame it on the climate. Sure, let's... Let's blame, well, actually, did climate change, was it the source of ignition? Any more than it was the source of the ignition of all the fires that were burning in, up in Canada? No, it was a down power line. Or some have said it was some directed energy force. But that's what you would do. You'd reflexively blame it on others. It's, a, it's what the left always does. They had the down power lines. It was a red flag day. Guess what? The brush around, um, which was ripe for ignition, had not been cleared around Lahaina. So the pundits shout, it's climate change, it's climate change. And here are the two headlines to tell you and reveal that they are deceiving you and nobody seems to touch on this. Number one, multiple headlines say the worst fire disaster in a century. In over a century, a uh, hundred years of no, nothing like a hundred years with nothing like this. The other headline: the worst fire of human tragedy and loss of life in modern history. So why do they say modern history, and why do they say uh, in a, cent a century nothing has been this bad? This is why they have to say that. Because, I, you know what? The Holy Spirit prompted me to do this research. See, I am a nerd. Some of you will be thankful for that. But I'm turning into more journalistic investigation, it seems here lately. Try the Cloquette fire or the Cloquet fire, depending just how French you want to be. It was a huge fire. Guess what? I'm, I, you know, we lost 106 people so far in Hawaii. The Cloquette Fire, 453 people died. There, Lahaina is a community of 12,000. 
52,000 people were injured in the Cloquet Fire. Not one community, but 38 communities were destroyed and wiped out. You say, well, okay, okay. Guess what? The Cloquet Fire, which originated in Minnesota, was 105 years ago. That's why they say there's not been a fire like this in modern America. Oh, my gosh, for a century now, uh, uh, in the last hundred years, we haven't had anything like this. And why can they say that? Is because we can get to something far worse. Oh, what a dink! 105 years ago. That so far is far, far worse. So now, let's drill down on the Maui fire, what we know, and then take a look at the Cloquette fire. In Maui, they said it was exceedingly dry for an extended period of time. I'm reading the cause before Wiki, Wikifakia changes the facts but you, and, and a couple of other things. It was exceedingly dry for an extended period of time in Minnesota, in 1918, when that fire broke out. They said in Maui, it's been exceedingly warm for an extended period of time. Coquette fire broke out in October, but it was exceedingly warm for that time of year following an excessive dry period. They said, well, Maui had uh, 60 to 80 mile an hour winds, which we believe were, you know, which were from the um, hurricane, which we believe to be climate-caused or related to it. Well, guess what? The Cloquette Fire had 60 to 80 mile-an-hour winds. Well, if the Maui Fire was started by human mistakes or a blow, of nature, a blown-down power line, and then the fire department not putting it out, guess what? There was no climate change source of ignition. There was no climate change source of ignition in Minnesota because that fire started from the sparks from a locomotive. You see, if it's climate change now, it was climate change 105 years ago, which is uh, the inconvenient truth for the climate change alarmists. But they want to deceive you and trick you and lie you and, and trade on the fact that no, people don't know these facts that and then and then give you a headline that nicely avoids them from being accused of lying, talking about modern American history or, or a hundred years ago, the last century. We are being lied to, deceived at so many levels. I want to share something. You know, the other day I found myself missing somebody. Missing somebody in particular terribly. Ronald Reagan. I rode my horse in a parade. My horse, Hollywood, interesting, was his name, on the day of Reagan's funeral out on the West Coast. And I was riding in a parade in San Ynez, California, which was sort of his Western White House. I did it to honor him. I didn't know what to do. I just wanted to honor the guy. That was a long time ago. I've forgotten much I've forgotten 
I'm not forgotten Reagan, but about him. And he said something I want to finish this program with. It's sobering, but how true it is. Donald Trump couldn't have been elected in 1980. Well, Ronald Reagan, I don't think, could get elected today. He's just too nice. He's too soft. He's got, there's too much perversion from the pit of hell that is driving this country in the incredible spiritual warfare that we're locked into. But he said this, quote, Freedom is a fragile thing, and it's never more than one generation away from extinction. It is not ours by way of inheritance. We don't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for and defended constantly by each generation for them to do the same. Or one day we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in the United States where and when men were free. All of this brings me back to the Chronicles of Narnia. If you have read this, the spiritual warfare goes on in this magical land of Narnia every so often. Witches arise periodically to drive people from the freedom and the blessings of freedom. And the wars have to be fought all over again. And Aslan, the lion who is a representation of Jesus Christ, draws people into the world of Narnia to fight these spiritual battles as they arise, sometimes 20, 40 years apart, sometimes three years apart, one time a couple hundred years apart, over and over and over again. The battles get fiercer, more fierce. We are in the fight of our life in this country, and I do not know how it's going to turn out. Don't expect me to say it's just going to turn out all rosy and, and, and dandy and, and all of that stuff. We have never gone into the pit of hell like we are in now as a result of a demonic regime. Joe Biden and the people he's surrounded himself with are demon-possessed. I do not take that back at all. That is who is in charge. But he's not really in charge. He's taking orders, even like in the books of Narnia. Those who did evil were taking their orders from the wicked witch, one of several. And so is Joe Biden. And so it plays out every century, every half century. But in this case, there were, there's a place where there was not a battle for a couple hundred years. In other words, the time frame in Narnia, that was consistent with the time frame here in the United States where we last fought our war of independence, a, a, a spiritual battle no less than from the evils of King George. This is where we are. We are to make it or a break it time. And I have no idea how it's going to turn out. But what I do know is I'm going to fight till the very end. And when I go, dear God, I want to go with my boots on 
fighting like they did in Scripture, in Narnia, wherever, wherever the great battles for freedom have been fought. The point is, you don't give up. You don't know how it turns out. But there's one option that has to, has to be taken off the table. Giving up. Sit tall in the saddle. Remind me, ride for the brand. We'll see you next week. We got-